Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, April 13th. Today on the show, we will look at who the Titans could target at wide receiver with Justin Graver at Titans Foam Room of Broadway Sports Media. You will hear from technical director from Nashville SC, Mike Jacobs, as to how he defines success in Nashville SC's second season. But we begin with the NHL trade deadline and the Preds' bizarre strategy. Of course, we are brought to you by our great friends, the Kingston Group, a locally owned award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. The Kingston Group, they're all about making your home make you money. They're all about making your home make you happy. So when you're finally ready to make that big decision to do a renovation on your home, to add some value and some happiness to your life, make sure you call the Kingston Group. Check out the website for all their work. All the evidence is right there in front of you. Let the scoreboard do the talking. BuildKG.com is the website. Check it out, the Kingston Group, at BuildKG.com. Well, the Nashville Predators had an incredibly boring NHL trade deadline day on Monday. In fact, even the trade they made was incredibly boring. Nashville acquired 29-year-old defenseman Eric Gudbrandson from the Ottawa Senators for defensive prospect Brandon Fortunato and a 2023 seventh-round draft pick. Gudbrandson is a large human, six foot five, 220 plus pounds, 29 years old, and that's about it. Even the defensive metrics aren't all that great and don't really indicate that he's all that great at defending. So it was one of the more boring NHL trade deadlines that we could imagine, especially considering where this team was at just a couple of months ago, assuming that pieces like Matthias Eckholm might have been on the trading block. I don't really care about giving up a seventh round draft pick for a meaningless defenseman. I, it is what it is. I should not be outraged, nor should anybody about the cost. A seventh-round draft pick isn't really anything. My issue is the larger strategy here for the Nashville Predators. Not moving any of the expiring contracts, guys that are most likely going to walk and probably not going to change the outcome of the postseason or the regular season, seems like flawed logic to me. It seems like poor strategy, poor decision-making by the Nashville Predators. Mikhail Granlin, Eric Holland, Nick Cousins, uh, I guess Brad Richardson counts if he could ever stay on the ice. I don't know what you could have gotten for these guys, but they're probably going to walk, and you're probably not going to win a playoff series. So I don't know why you don't at least try or effort to get something for somebody, especially like Mikhail Granlin, who I would assume would give you a future asset in return. Otherwise, like I said, very boring Monday. In related news, the Chicago Blackhawks made a few moves on Monday that can only be viewed as quote-unquote selling. So in my mind, this only further cements the Stars as the top challenger to the final playoff spot in the Central Division. It's the Preds and the Stars for one spot in my mind, and I don't think this should be all that surprising. Nashville has been garbage against the best teams. They have dominated the worst teams and have basically played the Stars dead even all year long. Nashville's record against the top three teams in the division, including the next three opponents, is 3-13-1 for the season. Meanwhile, Nashville is 16-3 against the three worst teams, Chicago, Columbus, and Detroit. But against Dallas, they are 4-3 with all four wins going into overtime. Clearly, they are better than the worst teams. Clearly, they are not as good as the best teams. And clearly, they're about the same as Dallas. As I've said before, this is about the Dallas Stars and the Nashville Predators for one spot. The Preds begin the final playoff push Tuesday night against Tampa at home at 7 p.m. For our next installment of Scouting the NFL Draft, we bring in Justin Graver of Broadway Sports Media, at Titans Film Room on Twitter, and host of the Music City Audible podcast to give us another rundown on who the Titans should target with their first-round pick. We looked at cornerback last week. Go check out that episode. Today, we focus on wide receiver. It's clearly a big need for this team, so I asked Justin if the Titans are going to go after a wideout with the 22nd pick in the draft, 
who should they target? So I think that that's pretty likely, honestly. That's the actual, actually the same draft slot Justin Jefferson got drafted in last year. And if the Titans landed him at 22, you're ecstatic, right? But how many guys like that are there? Of course, not that many. But I will say, I mean, I personally love Elijah Moore out of Old Miss. And he's been getting a lot of hype lately. I mean, I thought he was like a third round prospect when, you know, back in January or whatever, but he's like being talked about as a potential first round guy now. I think 22 is a reach for him. But if they really like him, he's not going to be there at 53, I don't think. So you maybe trade back and try to grab him. But just because of his relationship with A.J. Brown, I mean, the player on tape is one thing. He creates separation like crazy. He's great after the catch. He has great hands. He's really good at adjusting the ball. But then you factor in the relationship with A.J. Brown. And I feel like these two guys would continue to make each other better. And obviously, obviously making A.J. Brown better is good. <laughs> and obviously, if your rookie receiver is improving, that's good too. But I like Rashad Bateman. I don't like him as much as some people do. I think that it's really interesting how his size has been so over, like his listed size at Minnesota was like 6'2", 6'3", 210. <laughs> and the height is one thing, six feet. He came in at just over six feet, but he came in weighing 190 pounds, which maybe he slimmed down to run faster, but that's pretty light for an outside guy. Titans also probably need a slot more than they need an outside guy because I think everyone can play everywhere, but Josh Reynolds is more of an outside guy, and you signed him hoping that you know you found a diamond in the rough, right? Obviously, if a rookie comes in and pushes him down the depth chart, that's not a bad thing. But So I like Rashad Bateman. I think it's unrealistic to think any of the top four guys are going to fall. There's been some chatter about Devonta Smith falling because of his size or whatever, but I can't see that happening. Another guy I like, though, is Terrace Marshall Jr., and I feel like he's not getting enough first-round buzz. He is actually 6'2", over 200 pounds. He ran a 4.38 at LSU's Pro Day, and he continued to produce. Now, he didn't ever outproduce Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, but playing with that kind of talent, it's easy to see maybe why his production wasn't as big as some of the other top receiver prospects. But I think he's be a really interesting fit in the first round. I think he's a guy that's going to end up going in the first round that isn't really being talked about there enough. I personally do not want to see the Titans go wide receiver in the first round unless they trade back maybe five, eight, ten spots to do it. There is too much talent at this position. It could be the best draft class of wide receivers in NFL draft history, a sentence that we've basically said four years in a row now. This is due to the development at the position, rule changes, and the proliferation of seven-on-seven tournaments year-round that have all led to players at this position being far more ready to contribute right away at the NFL level than ever before. And the things that lead to first-round grades, 40 times for example, can create a gluttony of talented options falling through the cracks into the second, third, fourth rounds. Outside of a few elite names, Kyle Pitts or Jalen Waddell or whatever, using a first-round pick just isn't something I think the Titans need to do. And the only evidence I really need is A.J. Brown. Special thanks to Justin Graver of Broadway Sports Media at Titans Film Room on Twitter and host of the Music City Audible podcast right here on the 440 Sports Network. I bet you'll be hearing from Justin a few more times before the NFL draft gets started on April 29th. Nashville SC begins its second season against Cincinnati FC this weekend, and technical director or general manager for the uninitiated for the club, Mike Jacobs, joined Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan on the Club & Country podcast this week to discuss exactly how he defines success in SC's second season in the MLS. So I was really surly, I think, with, with that group in primarily national media toward the end of the season last year. And I think the biggest reason why you know it, it bothered me so much was it wasn't there being critical. I, I think for the first time, a lot of them were kind of like, hey, you guys are pretty good. 
You know, so my response was, you know, we're the same team we've been all along. You just didn't acknowledge that. You know, you chose to look at other teams or not give us the credit. You know, I, I think the appreciation of what was being built. And I would say, I think there's ambition and then there's objectives. The idea of our ambition being to win MLS Cup. I never heard anybody who didn't care if they won or lost when they were playing or coaching, uh, didn't want to win the whole thing. So I think it'd be, I think probably disappoint fans and be kind of naive if I said that, that that wasn't our ambition was to win everything. You know, but the reality is, I mean, our objectives, I think, is to keep getting better and improving. And that isn't to be vanilla, but the fact of the matter is there's only so many things we can control. And, you know, it, it's possible we can average more points per game, score more goals and, and not make the playoffs, you know? So th- the hardest part about going from coaching where you're on the line to sitting in a box or a suite is when a game kicks off, uh, you have no control of what happens. You know, make sure you know, like there is no walkie talkie between Gary and I, I don't send signals <laughs> down from the box, you know, like I empower and trust him match day. He runs our team. You know, so when you hit the playoffs, it's kind of like a flip of the coin. That was Nashville SC Technical Director Mike Jacobs. And one of the things I love about that dude is that he is not afraid to speak his mind. They clearly took it personally last season that maybe they didn't get enough love or as much love as they thought they deserved at the end of the season. You know, during one of the most successful expansion seasons in league history. And they are out to keep proving people wrong again this year, obviously. If you'd like to hear the entire conversation with Jacobs as the season gets started this week, make sure you are subscribed to the Club and Country podcast featuring the Great West Bowling and Tim Sullivan out every single Tuesday right here on the 440 Sports Network. Rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you guys all for listening. Of course, my name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook. Please follow there as well at 440 Media on Instagram and of course give our great sponsors the Kingston Group a follow on the social platforms as well as check out the website buildkg.com all the evidence is right there to see their work they are Nashville's award-winning custom home and remodeling firm that's locally owned of course their work is all over the website it is fantastic go check it out it's real and spectacular buildkg.com the 440 is a production of 440 Media written and produced by Braden Gall music by William Tyler